Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien, with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody, to The O Show. It is episode 460. We are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is a highly intense, inclusive fitness training regimen developed by the champ, Floyd Money Mayweather himself. Sign up for a membership now in downtown Scottsdale. We're also presented by betonline.ag. Sign up for that 50% bonus using the promo code capital B-L-E-A-V-50. Again, that's capital B-L-E-A-V-50. 50 for that 50% bonus Thursday night football tomorrow night. Make your picks for the NFL uh, on Sunday. And today we uh, we have a guest. Do you have a sports team, Peter? Uh, Cardinals. I, everything you're Arizona. A Cardinals yes. fan. Yeah, because you grew up in Awatuki, right? Awatuki, yep. Awatuki. See, I'm from Jersey, so I have no idea. <laughs> Most of the towns, like Prescott is Prescott. Yeah, for sure. Still call it Prescott. Yeah. Whatever. But uh, I appreciate you coming in the Cool, I appreciate man. you having me. Thank we, you. Uh, we met a few weeks back in Philadelphia. In the freezing cold Philly. Yeah, that was your first time, right? First time, and I was there. Yeah, it was a 24-hour trip. I feel like I flew as much as I was there. Y- yeah, you had no idea. There, there, there we are. So there's Seth Ferrante, if you don't know him, on the left. There's me and Peter in the middle, and then my brother Declan on the right. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had a fun time at that event. He's a musician. He's uh, going on 20 years old, I believe. Okay, cool. He was my plus one. Everybody's there with their beautiful wives yeah. and girlfriends. I'm there with uh, with Declan. There you go. That's how I used to roll, too, though, so I get it. No, but that was a fun event. Yes, for sure. You didn't have one like that, did you? No, we were going to kind of do something here, like the Harley-Davidson Theater, and I've just been, I, I've just honestly been so busy, I didn't yeah. even put, put it together. I love the diamond jacket, though, man. Yeah. You know, it's crazy, that jacket. I got it last minute, too, because I was thinking I was just going to wear, like, I like dressing kind of laid back, you know, so I was going to wear, like, a black V-neck. And then I got to thinking, like, everybody was, like, I've set, some of the people sent me their outfits, what they were wearing. I was like, oh, I got to get something better. But I couldn't find jackets fit me anywhere, and I had to get them custom made. And luckily, I ran into this place at Arizona Mills Mall, and this dude, the entire store is those kind of jackets, and they go up to seven X sizes. 
So then I get the whole outfit, and then Hannah's like, I'm not having you outdress me. So then we had to go take her back and find, re-get her whole entire outfit because she didn't want me to outdress her, but it worked oh, out. Oh, man. <laughs> Everybody was decked out, too. I went with, like, the business attire, just yeah. a suit. My brother's never worn a suit in his entire life. Really? He's just like, all right, I guess we're wearing suits. It's Hollywood-themed. Yeah. <laughs> that was a blast, man. I can't believe that was your first time out in Philly. First time on the East Coast, period. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so growing up here... Uh, young age, kind of to give the uh, the viewers kind of a glimpse into Peter Meyerhoff is, you know, yeah. uh, your whole story, you know, first growing up in Arizona, kind of going through the early stages and then eventually getting into what you ended up getting into. Yeah. So I was a man. I had it all as a kid, you know, a great family. My parents um, split when I was like 10 years old, but my, you know, my dad was always in the picture. My mom was always in the picture. Nothing to complain about there. And um, I was just a little athlete, you know, I, I had a I was actually a, had a modeling contract or a modeling agent at like 13. I was in a little movie at 13 and was, a, like I said, an athlete. I, I felt like I was going to be able to do anything I wanted in life until I started getting involved with drugs. So how, how accurate was I was a teenage felon in that entire documentary? It was, it was very accurate. There was nothing that wasn't true. Um, the, my only problem with the show is I felt like they glorified a lot of the bad stuff, you know, and, yeah. and here, like, I mean, even myself, a lot of that stuff was, I mean, 20 years ago. So, he, I mean, they had stuff on there that I, like, had forgot about, you know, and then seeing it kind of brought it all up. So I didn't like the fact that they glorified a lot of this, you know, who likes to admit they were like a little thief back then, you know, but I mean, we all learned lessons when we were kids. So the, the episode was pretty spot on, man. It was, it was, it was honestly kind of hard hearing, hearing back, you know, every commercial break oh, I was yeah. crying. I mean, I've watched it a few times over, and I watched it before because, again, like networking with people at like a premiere, like Sean B. Bradley's. I'm like watching a few things. I'm like, all right, if I meet him, you know, yeah, for sure. You have to, you story. have to know your stuff so you can't like look dumb when you get that chance to meet those people. Yeah, for and sure. I watched it again last night. And my roommate walked in. He's like, oh my god, <laughs> like you're gonna interview this guy tomorrow? Yeah. But uh, what was it? The um, uh, it was your parents mm-hmm. fighting and getting a divorce. Is that yeah? So my um, and what I always share about that too is so crazy. All I remember is like they had one fight in the kitchen, you know. So when they weren't getting along, like I didn't, we didn't know about it, you know. They were both at home. My mom like ran a little daycare out of the house. Yeah, so, you I had mean, no idea. We had it all together, and like I remember when they said they were splitting up. I was like, after one fight, and they're like, this is way more than one fight. <laughs> so knowing now that I'm older, they they did a good job of keeping away from us. I, I mean, we thought I thought we had a perfect household. Like I said, I thought it was one fight that split us up. Yeah, your dad. Um classified alcoholism as the beast right it is the beast and it was i mean you say it's genetic do you do you agree with that that it is a genetic disease either that or it's the that? biggest coincidence in the entire world because every single family my every single person on my dad's side just about is alcoholics really? you know we all have the exact same traits so i believe fully it is genetics if not like i said it's the biggest coincidence ever there is there is certain instances where there's just one person that doesn't get the gene you know we have a few of those meyerhoffs that some of them don't get it and like the rest of us can't even fathom that. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it consumes you. There's, there's just no drinking and partying and having fun like normal people do. You know, there's no going to happier and going home. You know. Man, and for those of you that haven't seen the episode, I was a teenage felon. It's on Vice TV. Peter Meyerhoff was it season two, episode eight? Episode five. Episode five. Yeah, it's called the I'm shot glad caller. You're here. Was not again. <laughs> but yeah, the shot caller. Your nickname was Chappy. Yes. It's because you always held chapstick in your hand when you punched? For two well, for two reasons, yeah. So one is I, I, I've been literally addicted to chapstick. I've used it 24-7, so I'm still trying to get me a chapstick sponsor here. But uh, And then two, I used to box when I was a kid, too, and that's what that's one thing I was taught, like hold a little rock or lighter, anything yeah. in your hand. And if you've never done it before, try it and then like fill your fist. It's ten times harder. That's what your uncle did, right? Yeah. Boxer? Yeah. How, how far did he go into his boxing career? 
he could have. I mean, I honestly think to, still to this day, he's the toughest dude I've ever met on the face of the earth. You know, like really? he's, oh, he's, I'm not even joking. He's 60 years old. I mean, you see how I'm, I'm, I'm 6'4", 250 and jacked. And I still to this day would not fight him. And I would fight anybody. I was telling our video guy, Zach, before he came in, I'm like, this guy was 144 when he entered his, his sentence. Yeah. 12 years later, came out like 265. Yeah, so I, I went in at 6'1", six, six 144 pounds, and I got out at 6'4", 264, straight from solitary confinement. Really? Yeah. I mean, how, how disciplined did you get in there when it came to building your body like that? Was it half puberty? That's was about the only thing I was disciplined in there, you yeah. know? Like, I got disciplined in that and just being angry and violent, you know? And I prided myself, honestly, on, like... I wanted to be the one on the yard that had the reputation of, the, like, all the cops were scared of and everybody knew not to fuck with. And, like, when you hit the yard, like, everyone was like, holy shit, so-and-so's here, you know? Because that's what I remember when I was a kid. Like, I saw that, and you'd see these OGs, and when they'd hit the yard, and then they'd be like, everybody would be talking to them. And like, but I was so young. I was like, I said, I didn't just go to prison. I was raised in prison, you know? Like, my yeah. thoughts were still, like, I didn't have to shave until, like, halfway through my sentence, bro. I didn't have facial hair. Oh, my God. So that's all I aspired to be. And, like, so my dreams and aspires were to be this big shot caller in prison and have cops scared of me. Like, who aspires to do that? But that's what I aspired to do, but I didn't know anything else, you know? Right. I mean, that long of a sentence, you kind of have to put it out of your head that you have to, you're, you're you have coming to, back. Yeah, you have to take out of your head getting out. You know what I'm saying? Because, I, and my mind was so young, I always use the analogy, like, you, you think how long it takes until you're 18 years old, and it feels like it takes an entire lifetime. I had to do I mean, almost that in prison because you don't really have memories of up until you're about six years old. So from when I had memories on until I was 18, I felt like I had all that to do in prison. If I got out on time, if I didn't catch more time, you know what I mean? And if I survived through it, you know? So to kind of go back to the, your childhood, you know, at least in the episode, it made it seem like it was your parents falling out that kind of led to the downward spiral. I wouldn't say it was that. I just I just manipulated that situation. You know what yeah. I mean? I was a... <clears throat> so with my parents splitting, my mom was a flight attendant, and she's like the nicest... I mean, I spent all morning with her, and it's just like I say all the time, I'm like, my mom is like literally a uh, saint. You know, she yeah. is like the sweetest lady on the face of the earth. And... Um, but the house was always empty. The house was always empty, and she was a you know, single mother kind of raising us because I wasn't staying at my dad's because I, I wanted to have control of what I wanted to do, and I wanted to have... No deadlines and no parents at home, and that was the party house. That's how I got in with the older senior kids in high school, you know? I had my house open to them. Man, and how much money were you making off that? Just Not much, but I was just in with everybody, you know? Like, I never worried about stuff back then. Yeah, it was, like, always connections. So I wasn't, I wasn't worried about making money, and I'm the first to admit I was not one of those little youngster kingpin, big-time dude. Yeah. I was like, I stole shit, and we just used drugs, and we're just idiots, you know what I mean? So at what age did you meet uh, Johnny, Johnny Barboa? I met Johnny right when I got kicked out of school. So when I was 15, like right before I turned 16, and we had about a little two-year run. Mm. So what was the first big thing that you did in that? Because there was two times where you kind of got off. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, we used to call him Shady B. He was. I mean, he was just lucky, and he had. Uh, he he was pretty slippery, man. He could get away from just about anything. And like the one time we wouldn't be together, and I'd get caught. And I mean, he was with me through just about everything. And uh, the only reason he wasn't involved with me um, for my last, the big burglary charge that sent me away for 12 years was because he was already in jail for something else. Mm. And the reason I wasn't with him there is because I had finally fallen asleep then. So he went out and did some stuff on his own. And we both got caught whenever we were by ourselves. Oh my God, man. So the first time it was what, 24 hours? Yeah. And uh, did you think it was going to be that short? I Did didn't even care? know, man. I was just, honestly, I was just scared getting there. And like, once I'd been there and like, I, I share this too, like when you have, when you, when it goes with prison and jails, like you always have the fear of going there cause you don't know what's going to happen, you know? And, and then once I was there and I saw, I was like, I got out. I was like, it, 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 it honestly made me care less. I was like, Oh fuck. I just did that. I'm fine now. You know what I mean? And I can, 
I can handle this. You know, like I, I could spend I, another yeah, night. Yeah, I was like, here. oh, I could do another night in there. You know, what's the worst thing that could happen? I've already been through it now. The fear of the unknown's gone, so it almost made me worse. The uh, the stealing of the Mercedes Benz was one that my roommate was like, holy shit. You know how we, we got came away up with that with idea? That? There was the Gone in 60 Seconds movie that came out back then, and they were saying those Mercedes were unstealable because they just had Lojack, and they had those laser-cut keys. And my stupid ass was just like, I'm going to go prove that I can steal one. And, I mean, I did. I didn't have it for a few hours, though. They had, they had me swarmed and surrounded. What was it, three days after? No, right after. I, t- I got it. By the time I had finally got done getting the mission and getting it, the sun was just coming out. So it was like 6 o'clock something in the morning. I remember I took it by my old high school to show my brother and I had this brand new 80-some-thousand-dollar um, Mercedes. Everybody gathering around the Everybody car. gathering around. And I literally took it to go park it at the church. And I was just going to, like, game plan because I, I couldn't believe I got the car. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had my other car parked there. And I go to park and get out, and these, it wasn't even a marked police car. They were all, like, just trucks, trucks just come piling in on every place. And I looked around, and they all had guns on me, and I was like, I thought I was getting robbed, and I didn't know what. And then I saw other police cars. I was like, oh, it's the police. Yeah. I'm like, this, is, this fun's over with. And even then, I got 90 days jail and probation. It was kind of like Sean's story of, like, the machine gun getting put on the back of his head, and he's like, oh, my God, it's over. And then he's like, oh, thank God, in a way. Thank God, but it's the police. I'm Absolutely. going away. Yeah, for I'm sure. It's the same exact thing, you know, like, and a lot of people shared, shared about that now, too, that I, when I talked to back then, they were, you know, when um, my dad had a real hard time with me going away for that time, and so did my mom, but they were like, at least he's safe, you know, like, a, and that's that's how bad it got to me, where they were just happy that I was locked up, I was safe, and they knew where I was. Oh, man. Was that within 24 hours? Or was it was like the next morning. No, that was, so I got arrested that day, and then I, I ended up spending from that Mercedes when I spent 90 days in jail there, and that's when I got yeah. out on probation, and then right when I got out on probation is when we all decided to burglarize the house, and that's the one that sent me right. away for a long time. Yeah, I, I kind of want to get into that. So Todd Nelson, right? Yes. He was, at the time, probably one of the top three richest guys in the state of Arizona. Second highest paid person annually in all of Arizona. And, and the, the What only, does he do? He was the president of University of Phoenix and Apollo Colleges. Yeah. And the only person that was higher than him was the CEO of his company. And, uh, yeah, so he was big time, man. I mean, the kids, and that's kind of what it all stemmed from, you know, like they were a bunch of little snobby kids and everybody was jealous of them. I mean, not only would they get whatever car they wanted, like when they were 15 and a half, like they didn't like a brand new Escalade wasn't good enough for him. He had to get the custom paint job and the stereo system and the rims, like, and that's the kind of snobby kids they were. So we all just like, it just turned into something so much bigger than we wanted to be, but it was just kind of our way of, I feel like getting back to them, having access to their stuff when they were in Hawaii for another week. Did your brother know that that was going on? Because they were having a party that night. They're actually the first ones that went and did it. And then they came back, and that was the only deal. Once my brother's friends did it, he's like, nobody tell my brother. And, Ooh. of course, one of his friends that always wanted to be in with my crew, because we were the older crew, they came back to my mom's house afterwards, and he tells me that they had just burglarized in Nelson's house and that they were in Hawaii for a week. And we're like, no way. And they're like, yeah, the back door's open. So I was like, all right, hang back till my brother and get hammered and go to sleep or whatever, and they leave. And then we went back and took my brother's friend back there with us. So they had done it before us. Wow. Was there any part of you that was nervous doing that? Like, there's going to be an alarm that's going to go off in this house? No, because like we a knew them. Yeah, we grew up with the kids, so we knew them. And, like, their their back door was open. We didn't have to break a, a door or anything. Like, it was literally wide open. They left their TV on when they were in Hawaii. At, was, and at the time, like, you guys had no idea what you were going to do with that jewelry. You I knew that even, you wanted to flip it into more money. But. No, to be honest, I didn't even want to take the jewelry. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't planning on it being a big burglary. I was planning on taking seriously. I mean, their house is twelve, fifteen thousand square feet. Like they have an indoor full court basketball court with their net, with their name across the half court. Like 
I was literally going to take just a bunch of nice stuff that I wanted that they wouldn't even have noticed were gone. So that wouldn't have yeah. been time to him to look for a snowboard. Like, where the hell is my snowboard at? You know, and his dad would just go buy him another one. That's the kind of stuff I took. My friends are the ones that took mm. the jewelry, and I hadn't even got out of the garage. Like, no joke, I never even left the garage. I remember watching it And I it took back. the fall on it, yeah. I remember watching it back, and your mom's just like, he came home with these new gym shoes. I'm like, That's Jordan 1s, those things are like 500 bucks. I got 12 years in prison for Jordan shoes, Jordan sandals, some Jordan basketball shorts, a snowboard, and a drill. I got 12 years in prison for that. And how many days after that heist was it when you got busted? That was three days after, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty shortly afterwards. Okay. And uh, we were, yeah, we were just sleeping at my mom's house one morning, and... Uh, you just hear it sound like they were like gonna beat the door down. They had like they were talking on the big megaphones, and they're like, "Mr. Meyerhoff, come out with your hands up." And I mean, I thought it was excessive because even as bad as I was, I was a screw up. But I never had a gun on me. I wasn't, you know, the only thing I did was like, I mean, I fought with my bare hands, but I never yeah. used weapons or anything. And they came full on with SWAT team. Like they had the school across the street that I grew up in, like full of cop cars, even. And how did they find, because again, the, the, the episode, I was a teenage felon, made it seem like your dad was the first one that was just like, I'm going to go return it. I'm going to give this guy a few calls. He wasn't answering. So what it was is my mom had kind of told him like, hey, he's got a bunch of stuff here. Like, and she was always like leery because I would shoot know where it was. You know, I wasn't doing anything except I was a drug addict. And I'd have a bunch of expensive stuff. And I mean, she was trying to do what she, what she thought was right as a parent. And she knew my dad was the only one that would, could kind of have any say. So I mean, cause I was always scared of him, you know, and, uh, she had called him, and then when I was out doing a, some whatever we were doing with Johnny, she my dad came back over, then he took all the stuff out of my room that I had stolen and literally went to give it back to them. And in that time, the police came and raided the house. and they raided, I mean, they even raided my dad's office, my dad's house, and my mom's house. And it was you guys talking over the phone when they discovered the jewelry, right? Yeah, because they had just got me on a probation violation. Initially, they came and interrogated me on it, but I didn't say anything, and I thought I was like a little tough kid. I was like, I'm not saying shit, and they didn't have enough to charge me, and... They just sentenced me to six months in jail for a probation violation. So, of course, my stupid ass not knowing I was so young and immature, I was um, probably a couple months away from my release, and I was talking to one of my old ex-friends, RT, at the time, and he was, like, asking me if we still had the jewels, and I was like, yep, still got those. We were talking about how we were going to be balling when I got out, and it was all meant to be, but that was, that was my mindset. And then literally two days later, I go to call my mom, and she's, like, can't say a word on the phone. I was like, and I'm like, tell her, what the hell is wrong? She's like, the SWAT team's here. And I was like, oh, my yeah, God. Uh, I knew right then it was over with. Oh, man. And how how long after did you go to the So then it works how it works like this is they'll know page two. So since I was already in, like, the sentence part of the tense, then they'll literally page two you because it's dangerous to have an unsentenced yeah. inmate out of the tense because you can escape any day if you want to technically because mm -hmm. you're all doing jail time. So then they put you back in, like, the regular housing, and I fought my case for another year. So I was in a county jail close to two years and hit the – hit prison I think right after I turned or right before I turned 20 years old and I was still only 170 pounds you know yeah again like that huge like you gained you almost doubled your size by the time you got out just about and I looked double the size do you think you'd be as big as you are now if none of that happened I don't think so because I don't know if I would have got into working out you know you like, I hated working out at first like seriously I was never one of those dudes that liked working out you know it's a it's a passion I developed in there but like you have to there's mandatory workouts when you're on the higher yards like there's black and white rules, and everybody works out. Everybody goes to rec, and so that's when I develop my passion. Just once you kind of start seeing a little size, and that's how you get, yeah, hooked, yeah, yeah. And then especially in prison, you don't, you know, you want to be a big, scary-looking dude. So that's kind of what I strive for. So I acquired it, and then I don't think I would if I didn't go to prison. Any uh, performance enhancers? No, in nothing, nah, nothing, nothing like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. 
Well, so it took you, what, like five years to become the, the head honcho in there? Yeah, 23. When I was 23 years old was when I ran my first four-yard. And um, I remember it, it was – we were – Sitting there, and they had rolled up the dude that was running the yard for something. Rolled up, which means that they like, take you off the yard. For a lot of times, if you like call a shot on somebody and it's like really bad, then they like roll up who they knew called the shot. And um, I remember they took him, and I was sitting there thinking, "Damn, I wonder who's going to run the yard now." And I was like thinking, "I'm the toughest dude here," you know. And I was just like, I just kind of made up my mind. I was like, it was between me and this other guy, and I was just like, I'm going to go let him know this is my shit now. And I'm and uh, and that was just out of respect because he was older than me and done a lot more time. There was not a chance the dude could have whooped me, but like I was just kind of having a little bit of respect, and then. And he honestly didn't really like it, so I took that as like almost disrespect, and I, and I kind of flipped, and I was like, "All right, this is this is my freaking yard uh, now," you know. What was the the sucker punch quote? <laughs> Do you know why they call it a sucker punch? No. Because you're the sucker if you get punched. That's an awesome jail quote. And that's and I'm not even joking. That's the first thing they told me when I got to my housing unit. I was like, "Holy shit, this is the like the wild wild west here," you know. But thank God I knew how to box. So literally, thank how, God. How shortened to that sentence did you beat that guy up that was kind of just getting in your face? Within the first few weeks, like less than a month, you know, and it, and it happened to be the guy running my building, and I didn't even know shit at the time really. I just knew he was he was a dick to me. He didn't like me. I was a little young, so I like rap music, and that's not. That's totally frowned upon in there, and he didn't like, and he's kind of just how I was at the end of my sentence. He'd been down for a long, long time, and he was just bitter and didn't like youngsters, and that's how I was at the end of my sentence, you know, and um, I made it a point to, yeah, make him be the first example that I wasn't like this little gay pretty boy from Ahwatukee that they thought, because they come to find out they did think that, because I had like long blonde hair, you know, and I used to model, I was a little pretty, but they used to always make fun of me for that. How, How early did you get all the tats? Uh, pretty early on, you know, that's like the first thing you do when you come out of the prison sentence is like, oh my God, I need prison tattoos like these guys. Like I'm covered in tattoos. And when I walk like, the yards I was on, it doesn't even seem like I have a lot of tattoos, you know, seriously, like the fools are like slung back in there. It's what do you think the most dangerous thing you had in your hand once? Cause you said you always had something in your hand. When you I would punch. always usually just use a chapstick. Cause a lot of the times on like four yards and stuff, like the yards I was on, you have to go in and out metal detectors anytime you leave your building and run. So like, well, it just makes the punch harder. Or is it like, yeah, cause, cause it's not like brass knucks or anything. Like no, that. not it's at like, all. Because like, if you, if you notice when it say, if I'm going to press my middle finger like this, it, it gives a little bit when you have that thing right there, there's no give on it. So it literally makes it like a rock. You ever break your hands? Oh, all the time. That's why I used to always share at the end. I didn't even like fighting because no matter what, I'd lose because I would always break my hands. Wow. How yeah. how much of a disciplinarian was your dad? Because, again, like your mother was, she was, you know, the happy, loving mother. Mm-hmm. Or like in most families, right? Yes. The mother is the loving one. The father has, he's forced to be the bad cop, right? For sure. And, and that's exactly how they are. I mean, now, like my, and. I always say this, like, my dad still can be a dick to me, you know? Like, we're not even talking right now because he, – and he's, like, they're the exact polar opposites with that. And I, I see that a lot of times. My mom is, like, the s- sweetest lady, like, never say anything nice. Like, she doesn't cuss, doesn't do anything, like, doesn't even – I mean, she drinks, but, like, she'll have a half a glass of wine yeah. and checks. Like, she's tipsy, you know? And then my dad is, like, the exact polar opposite. You know, he's, like, cut and dry. Like, but I still – I mean, I look at me, and I'm 36 years old, completely successful by myself, and I still get nervous on the phone with my dad. Sometimes. I'm like, he's going to be a dick or something, you know? So Really? Just, yeah. like, walking on eggshells? Sometimes, yeah. And he – I mean, it's it's just – and that's another genetic thing. It's kind of like a Meyerhoff characteristic. You know, I feel like we're all like that. A lot of my family is all the same way with that. You know, we're a bunch of big – and I'm big, but I'm not even, like, big for my family. Like, my dad's 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and he's the shortest of six brothers. His sisters are, like – Six foot and six one, like Meyerhoffs are huge. Yeah. 
Did your brother get into the big fitness game, or is he none of the different? above? And he, really? we always make fun of him because he is the smallest Meyerhoff by far. He says he's <laughs> six feet tall, and I don't know. He might be five eleven, six feet with shoes on. But yeah, he has. Uh, he doesn't work out. He, but he also has the brains of the Meyerhoffs. He is. Yeah. He is super, super smart and um, very, very talented. I mean, I, I would give anything to have his brain. I thought it was awesome for you to have your family on those first few episodes of the podcast. A lot of people like that, you know, and I, I kind of just got a lot of feedback from different people. And uh, a lot of people kind of want to know the the full story and the rundown. So why not? I mean, there's no one better to give it than them, you know, because even people now can see me now and they can't even believe like what I did or all the bad shit I did before. So I kind of wanted them just, and I talked to them before we did every episode. I was like, yo, this is, you have a free pass, say everything you want, offend me. I expect to be offended. Like I want to be honest and real here. And um, they were, you know, and it, and it turned out really well. Yeah, that's Roll Call with Chappie. If you guys want to check it out, Apple, Spotify, yeah, all those podcast everywhere. platforms. YouTube, too, everything. There you are right there. There's your studio. Again, plenty yeah. of room for a couple of drinks. Some, <laughs> some Just, first form. Yeah, right. How'd you get hooked up with those guys? I have a it's good... It's a huge brand. Huge brand. And it's not only, like, a awesome supplement brand, but it is, like, the company, their motto, everything is, like, what I'm about, you know? And... Um, I had uh, been a huge fan of theirs forever. I follow a ton of their athletes. And luckily, I did another podcast a few years back. And Emily Hayden, who's one of their big-time athletes, found me on there. And you know what's crazy? I think to this day, she's probably the first big-time person that reached out to me. And I was, like, starstruck. You know what I mean? Really? I was like, because I'm still used to prison. And I was in the car business. So I, went, I tried to do kind of motivational stuff just because I wanted to inspire people. But I was, like, still working a ton. And I didn't, know, like really know where to go with this. I didn't even, I, I honestly didn't even believe in social media until the last few years until I saw these people making money doing all this stuff. And I was just like, all right, all right I'm going to figure this out. You know, there's not a chance that dude's more talented than me or will hustle more than me. So Emily Hayden was the first person that saw me on that and then asked me if I was ever in LA if I'd come out and do her podcast. And I was just like, holy shit. You know what I mean? And then it, and that's, I honestly think that's kind of a light that set off me that I was like thinking, Dude, I, I can get these people to, like, buy into my shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, Absolutely. We're not, but I always, and it's crazy as what I share about now is, like, you can't put yourself in the box, but I put myself in the box. You know what I mean? I always, I thought that because of my prison past or my drug use and all that stuff, like, I was in a different league than them, and we're not. You know what I mean? The only reason I, 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 I would be that way is if I told myself I was in a different league than them. You know what I mean? And they were better than me, which isn't the case for anybody, you know? Do you stay in touch with any of the inmates that you built relationships with? Honestly, I, I, I do when they get out, and it's it's kind of tricky right now because my podcast, I'm working with, like, the director of parole and, like, the, the, all the big wigs in Arizona to try and get my podcast for the inmates that never played on their iPads, and I'm trying to get a couple other programs in there, so I'm going to start talking in there because I, I speak to them when they get out on orientation now, um, and it's kind of tricky, so I had to cut off a few friends, and it's all about positive stuff. You know, I, I have a good, good friend, and that's, I mean, he's been in there 21 years straight. We grew up in there since we were kids together. And he, but he wants me to like, yo, pass this message and do this. Can you call this guy? And I'm like, I finally tell his mom that as yo, tell him I'm not talking to him anymore. I'll, I'll help him out when he gets out. But I don't do that stuff. Like I'm a change, literally, and I, not to sound cliche, but I'm a hundred percent change man. I don't do illegal stuff. Yeah. I don't, I seriously don't jaywalk. I don't do nothing wrong no more, man. Like I'm scared to, you know, I don't have, I don't have the luck of, of anything bad happening. And I don't, I just, I just don't play with that shit. So 
And uh, here's how I look at it. They can be offended all they want. If they were living my life, they'd be doing the same damn thing. Yeah. I'd hope they would at least, you know. Right. I mean, some of them have to be thinking like, oh, my God. Like like you said, everybody, I think, needs to get on. Unfortunately, whether you like it or not, if you're building a business, building a brand, trying to get your story out there, you got to build a social media Absolutely. influence. Yep. You know? And it's so cr- I was so mad at myself because, like, for years, I, I made fun of everybody with Instagram. And I, I thought, and seriously, when I got out of prison, I thought it was the dumbest thing. I was like, I cannot believe people waste this much time on this stuff. So, I, I mean, I didn't do nothing with it all for years when I could have, you know, that would, and that would have been the good footage to get, like, my first little bit of time out of prison, you know, which I have nothing because I was barely still learning how to work on iPhone and stuff, you know. I went away with old Nokia phones with Snake on them. Well, wouldn't they take it away if, like, something were to so, happen? No, in prison you can't have cell phones. Right, But out exactly. here out here you can have a phone when you're on parole. They want you to have one so you're parole officer. So oh, that's good. They want. Yeah. That's good. I, I loved the video of you getting out, getting out of the van. And seeing your family and it's, the first man, time as a free man. I, I have still to this day, I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen that, 100, 200 times, and there's not a single time I've ever gone through without crying. You know, just hearing my mom's voice again, and that's why I always try to keep that f- fresh in my head because that's the, that's the biggest message I'm talking to dudes from, from prison is don't ever forget where you come from, you know, because your worst day on the streets is 100 times better than your best day in prison, you know. So I always try to, no matter how bad, because, I mean, life's tough, you know. It's, 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 and I've shared this a million times. It's easy as hell for a guy like me that's tough as hell to go sit in a prison cell. I mean, it sucks, but it's easy for me, you know. This is, the, the real world is tough, you know. And uh, sometimes you don't catch all the breaks you want to catch, or sometimes you don't think you catch, get the breaks that you deserve. And, uh, but the real people just keep fighting, you know, and that's what I pride myself on is I say that's a lot of times one of my, the only good characteristics I got out of that was the fact that I just turned into such a fighter and never given up, you know. So it was like year 11, right? And you were still just like bitter, angry, had no, in, like you mentally, you got into that stage of like, I'm never getting out of here. Like, I can't believe like it's almost over. My like, brother would ready. say on the phone to me, like, dude, you have a year left. And I'd be like, yeah, right. We'll see what happens. And like, that was literally how wow. I was talking to him. Cause I didn't even believe I was ever getting out of there. You know, they kept, because I got on all these tickets. So they kept adding time onto me. So my last year we, we said that for like almost literally three or four years straight, we kept saying that a year. And then like these old tickets would pop up and they'd take 90 days for me and then six months. And, um, and so I was in the, I, I just shared about this the other day, but I was in the worst spot during my entire prison sentence, like right before I was going to hit the gate. Mm. The, the, going to the solitary confinement for the last time for like my last nine months is, to this day, I think would save my life. How, how much visitation did your family get? Like what was the consistent rate? So they would always visit me for the most part, any chance they could. And we had, usually it's, you get visits on the weekends. A lot of times I was in trouble though. So I'd lose my visits or I had, when you're in max, it's, it's during the weekdays, you only get two hours. So it's all behind glass. And there you can't even hear. Cause everybody's like screaming through this plexiglass. Like there's little things about prison that people don't understand that they don't get. So a lot of times they wouldn't come visit me there. And then when I was in trouble, I had years where I couldn't even get a single visit. Oh, my God. What was the worst thing he ever did uh, in prison? <laughs> I can't talk about that. but I Really? Did, yeah, it's we did some bad, bad stuff in there, yeah. I mean, you're the shot caller. You're, yeah. you're the guy kind of running the yard. Yeah. I mean, have you ever seen the movie The Shot Caller? No. Oh, you, I'm going to. You're gonna I'm watch going it. to tonight. It's on Netflix, and there's not a more real true story, and I feel like that guy's life was my life story right there. You know, he got a DUI accident, had, was a successful finance guy, and then... Caught some time on the yard from getting into a riot. And I mean, that, that's how prison is. And I was on the most violent of the violent yards is there's not a bad gangster yard in prison that I wasn't on, you know, like, um, so yeah, very like as bad as stuff as you can possibly imagine happens on those yards. Like dudes get their throats slit open, eyes stabbed out, like the worst of the worst. Were you clean in prison or was there drugs involved? Huge drugs. And like I said, I was strung out before I went. To, so luckily when I went to the hole, I was, I was, I think I was back down to probably 180 pounds mm. and I'm eight, nine months to the gate. And that's how I was. I was literally strung out of prison. Um, 
I wasn't even running that yard because I was like so done. I was just getting hybrid. I was just like hating my life and like I was gonna go home, but I didn't feel like I was going home. And I, I was seriously, I was depressed, like really depressed my last year or so in there. And uh, yeah, that was that was by far the worst, man. Well, it, it was weed first. That was the first. Yeah, so drug that started it, right? Yeah, weed was the first thing for me, but it's, weed wasn't really my thing, you know. Um, the hard drugs, what did it was meth and, and heroin, but heroin is uh, if so. There's a four yard. There's a hundred dudes on each side of the building. I would literally say probably 92 or 94 of them slam heroin. Really? On the high yards, everybody is because most of them are never going home. You know, like they have, that's the it's the perfect drug for prison. Just slump out for the rest of the day. Because you can just nod out and just watch TV in your cell and nodding out for the whole day. So it's like a day you don't have to do. So that's what heroin's huge. I'd never even seen heroin before I went to prison. I'd never saw a needle. I'd never seen heroin, nothing. It was all the first time for me. And just like the drugs for me out here on the streets, when I saw them, like the heroin was the same thing for me. You know, I got talked into by some OG because um, he clearly wanted me to get the dope for him. And that's how they yeah. do. They just use up youngsters in there. And so I got, I got, uh, yeah, talked into doing it. And he's like, just trust me. You'll love it. You'll love it. Mm. When, when was the first time you tried meth? That was at 15? Yeah, 15, 16 with Johnny. Yep. Oof. I tried uh, ecstasy, ecstasy, meth, smoke crack. Did shrooms, I, literally all those drugs at one weekend for my first time ever. And that's why I say it was like a, that was a regular weekend for Johnny being there. his crew that I started hanging out with. Man, what was the uh, the house where you guys would trade goods for drugs? Was it the dope house? Yes. It was, that's, that's what it was called? Yeah, it was Johnny's old uncle. And so this night we stole the Mercedes was the first night I had found bolt cutters. And he had literally cut a lock in front of me. And I didn't, I never even seen or heard of those things. I was like, you're fucking kidding me. Those can do that? So I was like, give me those and let me have at it. And that was like kind of what we did. We literally had a contest. We we're going to see who could steal the most stuff. And I come back with a brand new Mercedes. I was like, I won. And I pulled up in his driveway. Like literally, that's the first stop I went to. I pulled up in his driveway and he sees me on security cameras. He goes, what is this car? And I was like, I stole it last night with those bull cars. He's like, get this thing out of my house. Get away from here. Man. And luckily, I mean, the, I think the cops even followed me to his house. You know? Yeah. I mean, were you smart enough to retrace or like cover up your tracks on the way out? Or did you literally just start that car and leave? Started that car and peeled out. So the gate was wide open. I had to cut, Everybody the, I had to cut the gate open with the, with the bull cutters. Yeah. Because there was big swinging fences. So I had to literally cut the gate with the bull cutters. And I was so weak. I, I had to plant one of the bull cutters on the ground and press it down like that because I couldn't even cut the chain. It was like one of those thick chains. Was it in the middle of the night or late at so night? So I started in the middle of the night, and by, but I had to go get the get the lockbox off the window, take that, and then I had to go get that open. So I took that back to like to over by my high school, slammed it on the ground like eight or ten times, and finally the key comes and pops out. And then I started getting paranoid. I was like, all right, where am I going to park my car? So I parked like a mile down, and I ran along the f side of the freeway in the dirt with literally a paintball mask on and ran almost a mile just to this thing, and that's when I cut the... Cut the chains off and got in the car and just sped out of there. Went straight to my dope dealer's house on the south side. Oh my god! And that—that that was just three months, right? That was the three-month sentence. Yeah. You're like, honestly, like I could continue doing this. Like your mentality. I, did not I thought shift. it sucked, but I didn't think it was. It sucked bad enough to get me to like deal with my addiction. You know, like I wasn't. Who's ready at 18 years old to say like? Because you think the fun's over when you stop drinking. You know what yeah. I mean? Like who's ready to give that up? So as much as I knew it was, it sucked and I had a problem. I wasn't ready to give up all the. All the supposed fun I thought I was going to have at that time, you know? Ooh. Who is the most vicious person that you were in prison with in that 12-year sentence? Uh, there's a guy that's, uh, he's slammed down right now and doing a, he was already doing, a, actually he was doing a 16-year sentence. And um, 
they found him guilty from straight murdering somebody on the on the rec field there too, like literally as bad as you can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up getting a natural life sentence. And I mean, there's certain people in there, man, that there's that they're they don't even think of life like it's a human life, like like it's a fly. Like I've never came across dudes like I was around in prison. I, and I remember sometimes I'd have a conversation and I'd go to my son. I'm like, what the how do these people think like this, you know? But I lived there, so, like, it kind of warped my thinking, like, kind of thinking that stuff was right, you know? You had no choice but to level yourself up yeah, and work and, your way up or and, else you yeah, were just going to... Yeah, and feed into it and, just, and be one of the guys, you know? If not, if it's that or you're just going to be a lame. And, like, I was never I was never okay with just being, a, like, a lame nobody for 12 years of my life. How long did it actually feel like, 12 years? It's so crazy, man, because it seems like so long, but honestly... Like the middle is like such a blur because I, it, I always say this, the toughest, the toughest part is the beginning and the end because when you're first going in there, you're a kid, you don't know. Like I remember being on the phone with my mom and she, when I was in the county jail and she said she was going to Applebee's. And I was like, you're going to Applebee's and I'm in jail right now? Like I, could, I was like crying. I, I was like, how are they going to a restaurant right now and I'm in jail, you know? It was just so, such stupid childish thinking. And then like you get in the middle, so like, then I was like, I had matured a little bit and then like I realized I kind of got my – feet sunk in and I was like, okay, I'm going to at least be somebody in prison and I'm not getting out. So you don't think about the streets really. You just like, you, like I said, I was raised and I just live there. You think that those are the normal rules. And then the end's really tough because then you're like, I'm this screwed up individual and now I'm going home and who knows when I'm going home. And then am I going to be able to leave the politics at the door and am I going to be able to stop using drugs when I get out? So the beginning and the end was really tough and the middle, which might've been six, seven, eight years was just, it's almost like a blur, you know, because I was like, I was just in my, set my feet in just, I was living for politics and I loved yeah. the attention I got in there, you know, and no choice, but to let it go. Absolutely. Let those frustrations go. You have to, and that's here. why I always share like your brain is such a powerful thing, man. Cause I've had to completely re- re- rewire my brain three times. You know, I'm from, I was from Awatuki. There's no, I wasn't from a gang member. I don't know any of that stuff. So I had to completely like get all involved with the prison politics, you know? And then I had to completely shut all that off and like rewire, rewire my entire brain when I got out. Cause I'm like, I don't know anything out here, you know? And I had to like get a ton of advice from my brother and like daily, like little stuff that you never even think of that I thought like was right. And like people not saying, excuse me, like I, yeah. it, was, it would drive me nuts when I got out at first. And my brother was like, dude, you can't let that stuff bug you, you know? Like, it would just set you off. Like oh, dude. Zero to 100, just little things like that? I mean, imagine, I'm a shock call. Like, nobody, like, you don't, you don't, like, even in prison, you don't walk even in my vicinity without saying excuse me, let alone, and people are literally, I could be talking to you even closer, and someone will walk right up at me and bump into me and not say excuse me, and I'm like, and I'd be looking, I'm like. You went from the tribal chief yeah. all the way back down I'm to like, nothing. I'm like, who the fuck does this person think they are? And they don't think they're anything. They're just people that are just dickheads, and they're in a hurry, and they don't care. Yep. Oh, man. That must have been a mental switch. Like a, probably a culture shock that most people, unfortunately, or not unfortunately. Yeah, most people, fortunately get, enough, don't have to do it. won't get to experience. Yeah, I mean, it's and then, too, when I was drinking at first, you get uh, people, once they get, I don't know what it is, not too many people would talk shit to me ever, but you get the people that are so hammered that they're like, oh, I want to go talk shit to the big tattoo no, buff guy at the bar. No. And it's always the littlest guy, man. And uh, Yeah, so that, those aren't too tough. Really, but I mean, it's that was the easy stuff. But the hard stuff is like the people that just bump in you and stuff like that, and not say excuse me. It was was kind of tougher, you know. Like I, I was chopped it up as there was no way I was gonna put my hands on anybody or fight, no matter what somebody said, unless I had to defend myself. Mm. So you had like no idea what you wanted to do once you were getting out. Like you never thought to think, sit down and be like, here's here's my game plan. This I, is what I, I want to do. I, to tell you how ass backwards my thinking was. Not only did I not even think of a plan, I I, I just told myself. Somehow I'll just get a job in construction, hopefully, 
making minimum wage and like all I figured is like I just got to figure out how to stay sober and not be like yeah. bored to death and I thought all the fun was over but at least I wasn't in prison anymore so like that's my biggest mess when I talk to the inmates when they're getting out you know like don't don't do what I did you know don't aspire for the, what I aspired to do because what I aspired to do is make minimum wage you know and I started making an entire CEO's paycheck in a month you know like literally for the year and once I started doing that and I was just like I had once I saw like once I didn't put myself in that box, you know, yeah. and I saw that I could actually make money here and I saw other people that were making real money and I was like, there's no way this person's going to out hustle me or outwork me. You know, I was just like, but I had to see it, you know, I had to see it be done and I had to like, I had to get the paychecks myself. And, and I was just like, I did, I used to take pictures of my, my bonus checks that I'd get every month. And I was like, I could, I, I would seriously get my, every check when I get my, bo every month I get my bonus check, I'd call my brother or someone and I'd like, and I'd send him a picture. Like, Look at this, you know, and it was coming every month. And I'm like, but then it got to where I thought it was make me happy, you know, and I've had all the cars and I was driving a brand new Raptor on parole, you know, mm -hmm. I bought it right off the showroom floor. Like I had a, a you know, I live in a million dollar home and like it got to a point where the money didn't do it for me anymore, you know, and I felt like empty and I wanted to help more people. And I was, and I, I you know, I, I say I, I tripped and fell on that job I had luckily and someone just vouched me and got, got me in and I had to just, but I had to show my, show what I was going to, what I told him I was going to do, you know, and I became the best car salesman there, like instantly, and then got promoted. And then, so I go from stealing a Mercedes Benz from a dealership brand new to being a finance manager at a big car dealership in Scottsdale. I like to have my own office, keys to the safe, and I'm like still on parole. You know, it just shows that anything's possible. Giving you the keys to the safe. One of three people with the keys. I had the keys to a dealership and a safe. I'm like the, I'm one of three trustworthy ones that has to double sign when they drop money in the safe, you know? What do you think made you such a great salesman? Do you think it was the background, like the experiences that you had leading up to it, or do you think my back's against the wall, I have to be a good salesman? All of the above. And I think I always like talking to people. I'm a, like, that's what I do. That's what I, I talk about here. I was like, I'm a networking king. People can't fathom how short I've been out of prison, how many people I know out here. But I talk to everybody everywhere I go. A lot of it, I think, is from I spent so much time in a, in a cell by myself, and I was just lonely and bored, and I'm taking full advantage of talking to people now. And the other thing is I, I would always just remember when I was sitting in those like maximum security cells and I, it was so small, I couldn't even do a push up next to my bed. And I remember looking at those bars, just thinking how much I wish I could be mowing the lawn right now or doing the little stuff that I used to bitch about doing. And I just put that into sales and just didn't give up. And I just, I just literally completely switched my addictions from a, a drug and alcohol addiction to I got sober and I just got a money addiction. So I li it, it was just a perfect combination for me. I lived at the dealership. And I went from never making, you know, I have an eighth grade education. That's the only job I've ever worked, and I don't even work there anymore. And I went from, you know, never making, a, never having a job in my life to making, I made 10 grand my second month selling cars, made 100 grand my first year there, 200 the second year, and, you know, it kept going up, and then I walked away after five years. It's like almost as if, if something clicked early on. It's kind of like the same situation with Sean. Like, he had the talent. He knew how to sell. He was just doing it the wrong way. If you For just, sure. like, nudged yourself a little bit over... And that's what, and it's all sales. Like when you're doing sales and yeah. you're selling drugs, it's all same. You're scheming, you're just running game on people, whatever. If you just put even a quarter of that effort into something positive, like we're all unstoppable. That's what I always share about. Like literally, every single person in the world is. We all have different jobs in here. We all have. We have. You have a different thing that you're that you can excel at that I can't do. You know, I can already tell you're clearly way smarter than me. It does, but and I could look at it as like mad that I'm not as smart as you. Or I could look at like my angle's just another avenue. Once I find that thing, and you can actually. But you also got to put in the work after that, too. You know, we all have something that we're good at, but if you choose to put in the work, that's up to you, you know? Yeah. I appreciate the kind words. For sure. I don't think Zach thinks I'm smart. <laughs> I can tell you guys are both really smart. Zach, you know, like... do you think I'm smart? <laughs> you can't hear him. He's muted. <laughs> For good reason, too. Yeah, right. You know, my favorite part about going to Sean's premiere 
was that they showed your preview yeah. for your episode going into it. My brother was like three whiskeys in. And you're telling the story about how you were signing uh, or going through the interview process of getting into the car dealership. Yeah. The first gig out, and you're like, I, what was it like? Have you committed a felon in the last 10 years? And you yeah. didn't even have to admit to it because it was 12 it years It was ago. funny because I had to ask him because I had he, they had gotten in. They knew about my past. And then he's like, he's like, just fill out the application so they have it for their file. And I'm filling it out. And it says, it gets the felony. It says, have you been convicted of a felony in the last 10 years? And I went to go ask my buddy Chad. I was like, hey, yo, what do I put here? Like, they know I'm in prison. I don't want to yeah. lie, but it's been 12 years right now. He goes, just put that you were convicted and put the date on there. But, yeah, big shout out to my boy Chad Seymour. Um He's the one that vouched for me and got me my first first in in the car business, and he was actually one of my co-defendants, but he was a juvenile at the time. So that's why my case was so bad. There was a bunch of juveniles involved, and although they had did the house first, the state made it look like I had influenced these juveniles to go back and rob this house when they did it first. And since I was like this tough guy, I'm not going to say anything, my story never got set, told. Wow. And you still have a good relationship with Johnny, too, right? Really good relationship with Johnny. I was actually uh, supposed to work out with him this morning, but he's... Uh, um, somewhere, oh, I was going to get rims on my car. If not, we're supposed right, to work out this right, morning. right. Yeah. Wow, and you you guys reconnected in you got you had separate meetings, right? Separate. I'll t- do you want to hear the? F- it's a funny story how we reconnected. Absolutely, we always love funny stories on this show. So me and Johnny, one of our other things would do back in the day, we'd go to the mall and like literally just jack stuff from the mall. Like whether it was we go to Dillard's and we'd get an entire armful of clothes and run out the store with them. Like we did the dumbest, craziest stuff, and. That was what I wanted to do. My brother always asked me what I wanted to do when I got, when I got out of prison to show you how like. Re- just dumb my mind was I wanted to just go to the mall I'm so I'm 30 years old I wanted to just go to the mall we take me to the mall and I can't even last two seconds in the mall I'm like almost like I'm gonna have a panic attack there's too many people there but my first trip at the mall I run into Johnny B and I swear he was he was about as skinny as he was before I went away except now he's covered in a bunch of prison tattoos yep. and I was like Johnny B and he didn't even recognize you really and he's like oh my god Pete and it was like I feel like I could see in his eyes, like, how much, like, he knew he, like, let me down. And, like, he did not want me to see him that way because I would just gone away for what felt like a lifetime. And I get out, and he's at the same mall doing the same stuff we used to do. And I told him, I was like, dude, what are you doing, bro? Like, seriously, get it together, you know? And he's like, and he said the same thing. He's like, I am. I'm just doing this one thing. I got it, you know? And I literally cried, man. I was just like, I don't remember what I said, but I cried. And I was just like, I was, I was honestly bummed out, you know? I felt bad that he was, like, still fighting this addiction disease. And then I didn't talk to him for over a year until I um, actually went to a meeting, and then I run into him. I'm at a church going to a meeting with my dad, and I see him there, and he's still wearing a wife beater, and he has his little backpack with him, which is how we used to always travel. And I'm like, Johnny B. He's like, what's up? And I was like, what the hell are you doing here? And he's like, I'm going to a meeting. I was like, what the hell kind of meeting are you going to? And he pulls out his big book out of his backpack, and I'm like, you are kidding me. He's wow. like, I just got out of rehab. He put himself in rehab. And I was like, no way. And I was like, Dad, guess who this is? My dad didn't recognize him. And the last time they saw each other, my dad was literally, we got a high-speed chase. My yep. dad was chasing us. Yep. And I was like, this is Johnny B. And my dad was like, no way. And, I mean, to this day, he's been sober since then. He's coming up on three years sober in April, doing the exact same thing I did, man. He's at the, uh, I got him hired at the dealership. And I'll tell you, he was so bad just to show that anybody can change. You know, like, I was I was always tough and gangster, and Johnny was, like, the next level. Like, seriously, there, there was stuff. And he'd probably say the same thing about me, but that's how I viewed him. Like, there was certain stuff that he'd do that I was like, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. I, or if he would do it like it was another walk in the park, I'm scared to death nervous. And um, he did it. And I so he he asked me for a job in the car business because, I mean, he couldn't believe he saw the truck I had. And, like, I went and gave him some brand yeah. new Jordans. I got out there brand new in the box. I hadn't even opened yet. And I, I gave him some money. And we started going to meetings together, and he's like, asked me what I'm doing. He's like, do you think there's any way you can get me a job there? And I was like, 
yeah, right. There's no way I'm vouching for this dude, you yeah. know? But I talked to a couple, like, older dudes that I, like, look up to a lot. You know, my sponsor's one that I bang, bank a lot of ideas off of because I still need help on a daily basis, you know, with making decisions. And uh, I was like, yo, Johnny asked me for a job. He's like, how do you feel about it? I was like, honestly, I'd love for him to work here, but I just don't think that. I was like, there's no way he's going to stay sober, you know, and I don't yeah. want to have that on me. And he goes, well, just tell him that. So I kind of went and talked to the general manager, and I was just like, I told him just like that. This is one of my best friends since we were kids. We got in all our trouble together. He's sober. We're going to meetings together. He wants a job. I'll be real with you. I, there's not a doubt in my mind he'll be the best salesperson here. I will kind of vouch for him, and I'll say as long as he's going to meetings with me. But if he doesn't go to meetings, I'll tell him the same thing. Like, I don't want him working here because he won't last, and I don't want that. I didn't want to screw up what I had in my name. I had a, I had a pretty good spot, and I felt like I, I was very, very lucky to have that. You right. Know? Big shout-out to Josh Spencer. He was one of the only guys to take a chance on me when I got out. So um, him taking that chance on me, and then I got Johnny in there, and he, he did exactly what I knew he'd do. He literally murdered it. It's that mental switch, just that slight little push. When you turn right? the bad stuff into little stuff, you don't even have to work as hard, and it comes naturally to us. You know what I mean? And he's like, dude, he's killing him. He has a helmet Arcadia now, drives a Benz, like, literally, like, the, just where I am in life is a few years behind me, you know? So he's a he's one of the sales managers there. He still ain't made, ain't made his way into finance, so he ain't that good, but. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I had to Not take a yet. shot at him for that one. I made in finance in, like, literally about a year, bro. It was, like, unheard of. I forgot you guys stole from your dad. We stole from everybody. What would you steal from your dad specifically? Anything we possibly could. I mean, I even stole, my dad had, just to show you how bad it was, he had a, a coin collection of like old, like very expensive Those coins. Those things are expensive, yeah. I I got rid of them for like the coins they were worth. I mean, if there was a quarter that was worth like a hundred dollars, I literally got rid of it for a quarter because it was a quarter. We stole his entire ch- coin collection, like anything possible we would steal. I mean, my dad had to put a fr- my dad had to put a front door lock on his bedroom door, like with an actual key in the house. Imagine living with your son, you have to lock your door yeah. like that, you know. That's but it shows anything's feeling. possible, you know what I mean? Like, I'm an example now for people, and I work with kids now, and I, I speak out of the high school that I didn't even graduate from. I didn't even complete a freshman year of high school. Now I go back and speak to the kids, you know? And I cry there. I, 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 I cry every single day. I've already cried twice today, just so you know, for keeping track. It's good but you're it's in touch with I, your emotions. I, I'm, I, and I have no shame in my game. I'm done trying to play the tough guy shit. I'm just, I always, I try to pride myself on just being as real, like as real as it gets, man. Do you have any specific, obviously you got a lot of big names coming on the show, coming up, but do you have any like dream guests that you'd love to pick the brain of? So, oh, so I, obviously I, I was just on Bradley podcast. Yeah. Um, I want to have him on my podcast. couple of big names, Emily Hayden, who's the first one that got me in touch with First Form. She's coming to town for a big event this week and actually staying at, at uh, the house of me and Hannah. And so I'm going to interview her. I'm hoping to steal Jason Poston, who we've already talked, and he's coming to town this weekend, too, so I'm hopefully going to interview them, too. I mean, the dream, the the next dream guest would be Andy Frisella is my number number one dude in the world, you know. Um, I want to go on the Joe Rogan show, but other than that, I like, you know, I like a Max Crosby, who's, I don't know if you know, and Darren Darren Waller for the Raiders. They're both in recovery and are very outspoken about it, so... I don't just want to get the big celebrity names. I want to have like the cool story behind it, right. like do, do some firing that'll that'll actually help people, people. You can go back and forth with, and actually because have. I know you know me, I know a big a ton of big big name people that I could have already had on my show, but I want to do like a show that's my my show is built to help people, you know, yeah. and to show them it's for people that had their backs against the wall and thought they had no chance of life, and then you can come out of that and like turn it into this, you know. Well, that's uh, Roll Call with Chappie. Again, mm-hmm. available on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, you name it. You guys on YouTube, right, with video? Everything, yep. 
Roll call with Chappie. Peter, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Man. Thank you for having me. It's my I pleasure. hope we can do this again. Hopefully, we can get Hannah in here, too. Absolutely. Because I loved that podcast episode that you guys Hers did. You went check nuts, out the man. latest episode. Yeah, and shout out to her. She, uh, you know, people ask how I did 12 years in prison, and um, she lost three different siblings three different times to drugs and alcohol, two brothers and a sister. Um, yeah, it's amazing. So. Hopefully you guys will get to hear it on there. If not, she's she was my latest guest on my podcast, and her episode went nuts. Right, you got to check out that episode. Again, Roll Call with Chappie, Peter Meyerhoff. This was episode 460 of the podcast. We are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale. Remember to make your picks at betonline.ag by signing up for that 50% bonus. That promo code is capital B-L-E-A-V-50. Zach, hit the lights, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.